Thank you for joining us here at C3 Edinburgh. We are all about authentic community, unlocked creativity, and the naturally supernatural life in Jesus' name. We are praying that this message will bless you and meet you right where you're at today. For more information about C3 Edinburgh, check us out online at www.c3edinburgh.com. So I've been asked to speak on, it's part of our In Him series, um, In Jesus, In Christ. Um, the topic today is a new creation. Um, and so I thought I would bring along, I've got a couple of different things that I'm going to hold up and show you, um, this little piece of paper which says on the front, my decision. Um, when I was 15, I went along to a church in Edinburgh where um, for the first time I heard uh, clearly the, 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 the gospel, the good news of Jesus being explained. And the preacher spoke that day, uh, that evening, on Romans chapter 10, verse 9, which says, um, if anyone confesses with their lips that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God has raised them from the dead, then they will be saved. Um, I probably didn't know what all of those words even meant in that sentence, um, but I went forwards for counseling at the front. Some of you have heard this story before. Um, and sat down with somebody, and this guy talked to me a bit about what I knew about God and what I knew about making this decision, and um, all I needed to do now was to join him in prayer, and he would pray with me and lead me in a prayer um, into committing my life to Jesus. I was 15, and so I looked at him and I said, no thanks, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and uh, so uh, anyway, he, he filled in this little card and gave me it to take away and gave me uh, a copy of one of the Gospels, you know, the four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I think it was Luke's Gospel, um, took it home. And that night in my kitchen on my own with God, uh, I bowed my head in prayer and I prayed the prayer, there's a little prayer on this card, I prayed that prayer to God, a little sample prayer to help you. Um, and I added to it, and I said, God, I know this is the most important decision I'm going to make in my life, um, and all the other decisions that I make for the rest of my life will be shaped by this decision. What a serious little 15-year-old I was. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So um, I put my Karl Marx book down, and I put my, you know. <laughs> no, no. I was quite intense, but anyway, so that was... Um, anyway, so today I'm going to speak on three perspectives of being a new creation in Christ. So the first one is just a kind of, um, to kind of pick up on what Nathan had said last week. Really, Nathan talked about uh, justification, so I'll, I'll, I'll repeat a bit of that. Then I want to talk about our relationship with God. Um, and then the third thing that I was kind of thinking of entering into was looking at sort of pressure points on that relationship with God, that being a new creation, what are the pressure points? But then I felt like, God saying, no, this is about in him. It's not about falling out of him. <laughs> uh, um, and so I just felt this constant thing of God sort of pulling me back to saying, you've been asked to speak about being a new creation. What is that like? What does that mean? What does that feel like? So the, the third thing I want to finish with is two kind of aspects of my own relationship with God and what, what over the years, what being a new creation in Christ, what filling in this little card and praying that prayer has actually meant to me personally, and I hope, hope you'll find that helpful. Um, I, it's slightly bonkers what I'm going to cover, but um, we'll, uh, we'll go, for, go for this ride together. So four or five years after I became a Christian, I actually memorized the, the key verse which I was given to speak on today, which should be up on the screen any moment now, um, which is, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. 
the old is gone, the new is here. Um, and so I was a student one day, I was talking to a friend, I had memorized this verse, and my friend said to me, do you know, as Christians, we're not really that different from other people. We're not really that different, you know. And, and in most ways, we're actually just the same as, as other people. I was able to say to them, do you know, there's a verse that I've just been memorizing that says, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Um, and for some of you who know me a bit better, you've heard me talking about issues I had with uh, my memory. I struggled uh, to remember things as a teenager. I used to get into trouble from my parents all the time for forgetting things. Um, and so I forced myself to memorize stuff. I stepped into space. And, and so if you're thinking, oh, Bible memorization, that's interesting. Well, you're one of those type of people. We can all do it. All of us can do it. Um, the Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If we look to Christ to help us to do things that we feel we can't do, guess what? We can. Um, and so I memorized that verse, uh, although having said that, I just read it just now rather than trying to do it for everybody. Because I'm under pressure. I'm standing with a, you know, I've got a microphone in my hand. Sympathy, sympathy, sympathy. Um, so anyway, so the three points I want to cover. First of all, justification, just to kind of uh, echo there what Nathan said last week. And I brought a little... Um, prop to support that. So Nathan spoke about justification. So the idea of justification, so it comes from the courtroom. Um, so it's the idea that when somebody goes to court um, at the end and there's a sentence declared on the person, they're declared guilty or they're declared in innocent. Um, and uh, through the cross, there was a transaction that happened on the cross, which is just incredible. Like, it's hard to get our heads around it. Something that happened 2,000 years ago, um, that something changed um, in terms of uh, us, for us. If we put our faith in Christ, God's response to that is to declare us innocent. He makes a declaration of innocence over us. Um, and, I mean, I am totally fascinated by different Christians' experiences of that. Um, how, how they have come to faith and what that looks and feels like. But that's, that's not really what the talk uh, this morning is about. But I just want to echo that because it, it kind of underpins what follows. It underpins a relationship. The relationship with God starts with that understanding that you have been justified. You've been declared innocent. So I brought a little prop, which is um, a white sheet of A3 paper. Um, and so what this represents is how God sees us. Um, uh, in Isaiah, it say, I think it's Isaiah, it says, uh, though, our, though our sins are red as scarlet, um, God says he makes them whiter than snow. Um, and so when God looks at us, this is what he sees. If you're a Christian, if you have put your trust in Jesus, if you have said, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior, I believe you, I trust you for my life, I'm going to follow you for my life. This is how God sees you. So when you wake up in the morning, this is how God sees you. When you're talking to a friend, this is how God sees you. When you're walking through the park on your own, this is how God sees you. When you walk into church, this is how God sees you. When you walk out of church, this is how God sees you. This is how God sees you. This is how God sees you all the time. And I'm going to push this a wee bit and say, when you sin, this is how God sees you. If you're declared innocent, you're innocent, you're innocent, you're innocent all the time, always. Always, and that's, that's because we've been justified. And 
I got that. As a, as a teenager, I understood that. I really did get that. And now I don't know what to do with this piece of paper. <laughs> it's going to yeah, scrumple it up. Um, and, and so, but, so, so, so that's justification. I just want to say that to build on. Because if you're in a relationship, you're in that safe space. As you work out your relationship with Jesus, um, you, you, you're doing it in a confident space. You're doing it with that security of knowing that no matter what, if you haven't read the Bible for a week, I'm not asking you to put your hand up, but if you haven't read the Bible for a week, if you haven't read the Bible for a month, you're still safe and secure in Jesus. God draws us back to himself, so I, I, I feel confident in being able to say that because even, uh, it says in Timothy, even if we're unfaithful, God is faithful. So, um, so anyway, so, but the second point I want to cover then is um, about our relationship. So in John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus says, I've called you my friends, your friends. We're in a relationship with God through Jesus. So what does that relationship look like? Well, I thought of an illustration. Um, I uh, run a small charity, as most, you know, if you know me, uh, you know, a Christian charity, which a uh, mission agency, Edinburgh City Mission. Um, and uh, so we were seeking to encourage mission all across the city with the different churches we're in partnership with and so on. Um, and I'm an employer, as, as you know, by definition, um, running the charity. Um, and actually, one of my employees is sitting here in the front row, Miles. <laughs> so, Miles works part-time with us and part-time with C3. Um, but so, from the, just taking employment as an example. So, an employer is in a relationship with an employee. Miles and I, we relate to each other. Um, there's a formal aspect to that and there's an informal aspect to that. So, uh, if you boil it right down to its kind of simplest, the key things are, when Miles applied for the job, we had put a job advert out, list of responsibilities. Um, when we appointed them, we said, oh, by the way, there's a whole lot of benefits of employment. For example, we're going to pay you, um, which, which, <laughs> which helps. And uh, so, so that relationship is based on, we, we set out those expectations and commitments and all the rest of it to each other right at the very start. Um, and that gives you a basis for how you move forwards. Um, but there's, there's a dynamic aspect to the relationship too, where uh, you're, you're evaluating that as you go. Miles, is he doing what is on his job description? Miles is looking at me saying, Duncan, are you paying me? Are you doing whatever else an employer is meant to do? Are you creating a safe health and safety stuff, whatever it is, you know, all that type of thing. But there's a committed relationship. Yeah, I do take my side of it seriously too, <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but, but you get what I'm saying. There's a committed relationship that has, is defined, but it's also dynamic. There's, there's, there's a kind of element where you're constantly working that relationship out. Well, there's no illustration or analogy that's perfect, but it, it, I think that kind of helps a bit. Uh, if we're in him, if we're in Christ, there is a committed relationship. It's two-way. Um, I would put it the other way around. Instead of saying responsibilities and benefits, I'd put it the other way around and say, God starts with the benefits. He starts by saying, you're my friend. You're safe. You're secure. You're innocent, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And there are some responsibilities that flow from that. Um, but but what, what is beautiful about uh, relationships if, if there's a depth and if they're sincere and if they're meaningful, is that you can count on each other. <laughs> yeah, just eyeballing Miles there. So you can count on each other. Um, and, and that's the beauty of, uh, you know, um, our relationship with God is that we can count on each other. Um, and if God has really done that work in your heart, you will respond 
You will respond. You will want to please him. You will want to spend time with him, talking to him and stuff. Um, and I can say that from, from, from experience. Um, this morning, while I was singing the worship songs, I was like, that was incredible. I loved it. Thank you very much, band, for where you led us to in worship. I don't know where Strewn's gone. Um, I've made eye contact with two out of three of the band. Um, um, but it followed a kind of arc, and that arc, incredibly, is similar to the arc that uh, my talk has. Um, and so we were singing a lot about the declaration of God's love over us, and we were singing a lot about a relationship. And then towards the end, we got into a little bit more kind of how do, how do we approach suffering in our lives and stuff. I don't know if you caught that in that last uh, song. It was really powerful words to sing. Um, but so anyway, uh, just sort of, that's a segue, actually, that, and I don't know if that was the right place to fit that in, <laughs> but hopefully uh, you'll see what I mean as, as my talk goes on. Um, so our relationship with God is, is centered on Jesus. It's centered on love. Um, theologians, some of you might know, talk about there being five means of grace. I don't know if you've heard that phrase before, um, that God connects with us in, through five different ways, uh, through his creation, uh, Psalm 19, Psalm 119, and so on, you know, all, all, all the heavens declare the glory of God. Um, through prayer, we can speak to God and engage with God. His Holy Spirit works with us and in us and through us and stuff through prayer. Um, through the Bible, God's revelation of who He is, there are lots of things that we would not know about God if it weren't for reading the Bible. Um, through the church, God meets with us in a special way through the church when we're with other believers, um, and through the sacraments, through um, baptism and through uh, bread and wine. Um, and, and, and those are different ways that God communicates with us, that God um, sustains His relationship with us. So even when we forget to read the Bible, or even if we don't go to church on Sunday, we still look up and we're like, this is an amazing world that we live in. God's created it, His handiwork. God still has ways of speaking to us and drawing us um, if, if we don't connect through all those different things um, for a period in our lives. Um, but the pinnacle of God's revelation that those five things all point towards is Jesus. Um, and that is why His name is on our lips. That's why we sing His praises um, because in Jesus, is, that's the primary revelation of God's love. Um, so, for example, um, the Bible verse, 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 to 11, it says, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So where I'm going here is there's a bit of a movement in these verses from God's love for us, if we're in Christ, to our love for others. Um, and so part of our relationship with being in God um, results in an overflow of love to others. Um, so a bit further on, it says in... Uh, First uh, John 4, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Um, again, so I just really wanted to kind of get a handle on what does it mean to be a new creation in Christ? What does that look like? What does that feel like? What, you know, don't want to just, 
have a sort of theological concept of it and means of grace or whatever it is, you know. But what does it actually look like to, to live in Christ, to live in his love? What does that mean? What does that look like? Um, and so Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, um, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We're renewed in the knowledge of God. We no longer want to live in our old ways um, or the nature that we had before accepting Christ. We want to live as loving, kind, thoughtful, generous, patient, um, humble people. So that's kind of like my first two points. So echoing Nathan's stuff about justification. We're pure, clean, white, holy, perfect, loved, accepted, secure, safe, redeemed, uh, saved, all those different phrases to describe that experience of when we commit our lives to Christ and God comes into our lives to rule and reign in our hearts. Secondly, what does that relationship look like? It looks like uh, a relationship centered on Jesus, centered on love. The love of God flows from us into other people's lives. That's what our relationship with God looks like. If we don't love one another, the Bible says we need to query our relationship with God. Um, I was thinking too, do you know, sometimes uh, people say, yeah, I love God, I love Jesus, but I don't go to church. And I'm like, do you know what Jesus is doing right now? You ever think about that? You know, Jesus, when he ascended, he ascended to the right hand of God. And in lofty words, he's ruling and reigning on high in the right hand of God. But practically, what does that mean? What does that look like? I believe that what he's doing right now is running the church. I think that's what Jesus is busy doing. So he says, you know, he says, I will build my church. Well, building anything takes time and effort and energy and watchfulness and creativity and shaping and directing and all that stuff. I believe that's what Jesus is actually doing. He's busy running his church. So if you read through like the book of Ephesians, where, you know, the theme of the book of Ephesians is that Jesus is the head of the church. God bless you, Nathan and Lisa, brilliant leaders humanly, but above Nathan and Lisa is Jesus running this church, running, running the church across Edinburgh, running the church across the nation, running the whole global church. Wow, that's what he's doing. He's not just sitting there, you know, I don't know, twiddling the thumbs running. He's busy. Jesus is really busy. Um, anyway, so anyway, that's, that's actually just a little aside. Um, but uh, so what I, th what I thought, just to kind of finish and ground this a bit in my own experience, um, is so there's a lot of things, I guess I've been a Christian now 30 more years or something, and there's a lot of things that are aspects of being a Christian that are common to us. Um, um, and so as we read the Bible, it's we're called to do this, we're called to do that. It looks like this, it looks like the other. Um, but one of the things I really find quite intriguing is that we're all so different from each other, even in this room of 30-odd people, we're really, really different to each other. Um, and so Therefore, logically, our relationship with God looks quite different. Because if you're, like, say, living in, like, let's just say, in a different era, like a different century, in a different country, and you're 90, then that's going to look and feel very different to what it looks like being 20 and a student in Edinburgh. Um, and so a book that I've been reading recently, which has kind of helped me really kind of engage with uh, being different to each other. As this is called The Road Back to You. It's about the Enneagram. I don't know if you've come across the Enneagram, um, but the Enneagram is kind of um, nine different personality types. Um, and uh, so I knew 
instantly when I read through this book about the nine, which one I was. Um, and that uh, has kind of helped me uh, partly understand my relationship with God as well as my relationship with other people. So the, the Enneagram is like a few hundred years old, I'm not very sure, and it's rooted in Christian kind of uh, thinking. I think it was like monks or somebody that kind of came up with it originally. Um, and so um, uh, it's really helpful just for understanding that, that, that we, are all, we are all different. And so so I say that just as a sort of, to kind of ease you into trying, uh, I'm going to tell you a bit about me in my 20s. So I, I, I kind of, um, I was thinking how to word this, but I was, I was very intense. And I, as a Christian, I needed to understand everything, absolutely everything about my Christian faith. And so I read, I read, I read, I went to conferences, went to church, took notes in church, every speaker, everything. Um, and, and, a lot of what I was doing was was normal Christian living, seeking God and being in relationship with God and His people and so on. Um, but there was an aspect to my relationship with God which uh, I found quite difficult to discuss with other people and explain to other people. And that was that I found myself arguing with God a lot. Um, and trying to work out where that came from, what, what drove that. So I became a Christian when I was 15. When I was 18, uh, kind of suffered quite a tragic experience in life, uh, something I've never gone through, and God willing, will never go through ever again, um, that really impacted me and um, made me realize that there is a lot of injustice in the world. There are things that just go wrong. For no apparent obvious reason, there are things that just go wrong. Um, and so in my 20s, I, was, I think I was grappling with that experience and looking out over the rest of humanity and looking at the injustice. And I had put my hope and trust in a God of justice. Um, and so I was clinging on to that and believing that sincerely. Um, and I was trying to think how to word this. And I was like, it doesn't entirely make sense. I full, wholeheartedly believed and believed that God is a God of justice. But I was wrestling with them about the injustice I saw on planet Earth. Um, and I wasn't sure about that. I think I, think I, I, found, I found that quite difficult because I wasn't sure if the way I was expressing myself to God, if the, what was happening in my heart, how I was engaging with them, if that was okay or not. And I think bit by bit over the years in my 20s, I kind of learned to understand partly from the scriptures. So um, I made a note of some Psalms like Psalm 143, Psalm 13, Psalm 42, um, uh, partly through the scripture, partly through that experience of talking to God and him talking to me, I was like, this is okay. God can actually handle us arguing with him. God can handle our heartfelt doubts. God can handle our questions. God can handle our complaints against him. Um, one of the books that really helped me in the Old Testament is uh, Habakkuk or Habakkuk or whatever way you want to pronounce that. I don't know. Um, um, another book was, was Job. Habakkuk is short, so that's an easier, more accessible one, uh, where Habakkuk complains to God and God says, I'll show you my justice. Watch and see. Uh, Job, the same incredible suffering that Job goes through. Um, and, and then... Uh, chapters and chapters and chapters with him discussing with his friends what to make of this and engaging with each other. Um, and um, so that experience of, of 
grappling with those things with God, I think um, it's part for me of the new creation in Christ. Um, so, you know, I kind of want to stand up at the front and just say, if you become a Christian, it's easy, it's straightforward, and things become beautiful and perfect and peaceful and all, all the rest of it. But that last song that we were singing was saying, not, it's not necessarily like that. There can be difficulties and there can be our own experience of suffering or our observations of other people's experience of suffering uh, that can actually, um, that are part of being a new creation in Christ. But the difference is, and I just want to hold this paper up again, the difference is that we're doing it within a safe, secure relationship with God. We're not doing it as his opponents. When we're arguing with God, we're not saying, um, we're not doing it from a, and because of these things that we see in the world, we, we cannot accept that you're good. We cannot accept that you're just. Rather, we're saying, we do believe that you're just. We do believe that you're good. We do believe that you're working out your good purposes, that you're building your kingdom. But these things are hard and they're painful. Um, and, and God, I really need to talk to you about some of them. Um, and so, there's, there, there's definitely a paradox. But it, so, in, in Job, I just want to finish really with this. And I'm looking at the clock trying to work out how much of this I can read. In Job 38, so through the book of Job, it's a difficult book to read um, and quite confusing. But through the book of Job, uh, Job goes keeps on wrestling with God. He's saying, why am I suffering? All this suffering, and his friends are advising him, and so on. And then in Job chapter 38, after all of this stuff with Job and his friends, and talking, exploring, you know, so on, and so complaining, then in Job 38, the heading for that chapter is, the, the Lord speaks. And then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. God comes back into the conversation with Job by saying, I am actually superior to you. I've chosen that word intentionally, superior. We don't like it, do we? We don't like anyone being superior to us. But I chose it on purpose. It's confronting. Because God is superior. God is above all. And so when God speaks, I will question you and you shall answer me. And he says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? <laughs> You can put a full stop, can you? End of. Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no further, here is where your proud waves halt, <laughs> the seas, the oceans. Have you ever given order to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? 
The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. <laughs> the whole earth is just like a piece of clothing. The wicked are denied their light and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? And where does darkness reside? And where can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. You've lived so many years. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm? Do, 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 do. It goes on and on and on. But three or four chapters of God speaking to Job like this. He says, can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you do it? Can you bring justice to the earth, Job? You think it's not fair. Well, can you sort it? Of course you can't. Of course you can't. That's silly. That's crazy. And so I'd love to read those whole three or four chapters. But basically, Ultimately, what God is saying is, you just need to humble yourself a little bit. We have a phrase in Scotland, wind your neck in. I love that phrase. <laughs> it's like, wind your neck in. It's such a weird phrase. Um, but don't, don't, don't be so headstrong. Um, um, have, uh, so, so, kind of where I wanted to just finish was, have we really grasped what it means to be a new creation in Christ um, in, in all of its complexity and fullness? I've just highlighted a few different things this morning. Um, and we're going to move to, if the band could maybe come up, um, we'll move to responding to what I've been sharing. Um, I just want to summarize it. So have we grasped that, that we're innocent, that we're blameless? It's an enormous um, change that God has made. It's a declaration. It's invisible. We can't see it, but God has done this over us and in us. Um, have we grasped the enormous privilege it is to be in a relationship with the living God? Do we make the most of having access to Him at all times? Do we love others as He has loved us? Are we compassionate, kind, jump, kind, humble, gentle, and patient? Do we bring our questions to Him First and foremost, to him, do we go to God with our questions, our anxieties, our hearts, our fears, our indignation against injustice or inequality? Have we been overwhelmed, which is where I was trying to go with Job, have we been overwhelmed by the glory and majesty and authority and confidence of God? Have we understood his ways are higher than our ways? Can we say with the Apostle Paul in Romans 11, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and its paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen.